Hello, welcome to Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday, where all your questions for your primary care doctor are answered. Our goal is to help our listeners make their wellness a priority and live out long, enjoyable, and fulfilling lives. All right, we are on. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday. It's going to be all about fibromyalgia um, on this episode. I'm very excited. We have Dr. Ziegenbein here with us today, and she's going to be get, dropping some gems and giving us a lot of information. Now, before we get started, I'm going to start with introductions. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Dr. Uday. I'm a board-certified family medicine physician. I'm based in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Um, I own a primary care practice, namely Apple Valley Family Medicine, and I also own an aesthetic practice. My goal is not only to have my patients feeling good, but looking good. So let's get right into it. So it's going to be fibromyalgia. I have Dr. Martina Ziegenbein here with us today. Let me give you some information about her. She is a board-certified rheumatologist, and she is the founder and CEO of Martina Ziegenbein, MD Coaching, and she's also the host of Fibromyalgia Podcast. So Dr. Siegenbein, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Rude. It's a privilege. Thank you so much. This is exciting. So let's get right to it. So fibromyalgia, I get a lot of questions about this in the office. What is it? Thank you. For, like You're very to the point. So yeah. first of all, fibromyalgia is a real disorder. It's basically in the most simplest definition it means pain all over uh, above and below the waist both sides of the body and in order to diagnose it you do need to have it the patients need to have it for at least three months uh, or more than three months and um, the hallmark or the defining one of the defining features of fibromyalgia is pain presence of pain without evidence of inflammation or damage basically the exam is normal and I want to stress that it has gotten a lot of bad rap in the past. It's, there is a lot of stigma associated with the diagnosis, with even physicians, quote, not believing in it. It's a real disorder. The pain is real. And I just wanted to put it out there right away. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. And that, that is true that a lot of patients, when they come in, that's one of the things that they're complaining about, that they don't feel like they're being believed when they complain. So absolutely. Right. So how common is it? How common is fibromyalgia? Yeah, so it de depending on what studies or what articles you read, uh, it is currently estimated that um, between 4 to 8 million of people in the United States suffer from fibromyalgia. And it's slightly more, no, it, it's more prevalent in women. The ratio uh, between women and men in terms of prevalence is 2 to 1. Um, the reasons for that are not exactly clear. Um, mm. And I want to mention that a worldwide prevalence of fibromyalgia is also very similar to United States. So it's not a West, it's not a civilized world. Like it's not just American thing. It, the prevalence of fibro or this type of chronic pain is similar around the world. Gotcha. Okay. And then how is it diagnosed? So I'm... Uh, partial to who diagnoses it so anyone can diagnose it but i i'm partial to a rheumatologist evaluating the patient 
uh, to confirm the diagnosis. And I do have a reason for that in that we are very um, expertly trained at um, ruling out basically the other things that could give you pain all over. Um, we know how to examine joints. We know how to look for subtle things that can be there. And I specific example on that is that I have had a couple of patients in the past that did end up having psoriatic arthritis and their presentation was enthesopathy, which means inflammation at the, at the, um, insertion of the tendon into a bone. So, um, and you want to be able to diagnose it. This is one of the things that are, I don't want to confuse your uh, audience. How is fibromyalgia diagnosed? Yeah, yes. yeah I, I will say that I'm partial to rheumatologists diagnosing it because I think we are, we are kind of uh, primed to, to be able to um, look for the subtle things that can indicate that patients have something else other than fibromyalgia. And those subtle things are presence of a rash, either on the breast or in the groin or in the umbilicus or uh, scalp on, um, yeah, redness or flakiness of the scalp may mean there is psoriasis. And, you know, subtle changes on exam of the joints of the fingers may, uh, for example, there could be inflammation in the DIP joints that is hard to notice to, you know, to somebody who is not a rheumatologist, but when you examine them, you will know. And that's how you can switch from, oh, this patient doesn't just have only fibromyalgia, but they also have psoriatic arthritis. And they may have both. And sometimes that there is no fibromyalgia going on, but their symptoms, and it may be neck inflammation, shoulder and elbow or hand and foot, it's more likely from an inflammatory process. So that's why I believe that um, rheumatologists should assist primary care physicians and other physicians in diagnosing the disorder by confirming it and ruling out an autoimmune or inflammatory disorder. That's what, that's what I was trying to say. It's well, it's also a very tricky diagnosis because it's a, you know, obviously a diagnosis of ex exclusion. So that is definitely a good point. Um, so how is it treated? So that's a loaded question. So we, um, the treatment really starts by explaining to the patient uh, what they have. And that's, I really see like that's the first gate of where the barriers are broken. Because right now, when somebody says, um, who is not well informed and versed in fibromyalgia and treatment, when they say to the patient, well, you seem to have fibromyalgia, and if they don't explain it well, the patient will leave the office feeling crazy. Like this person just told me that my pain is not real, that it's in my head or that, I, that I'm a drug seeker. No. And so, um, so I focus, I spent a lot of time in my office on explaining huh. what that means. And to summarize or to um, try to put it succinctly, basically, um, in, and just for the sake of this exercise or mm -hmm. for this uh, for this uh, conversation, we are assuming that a person truly just has a fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. So the pain originates in the central nervous system. The pain is real. And uh, basically there is there are uh, neurotransmitters. There are some of them are upregulated, those that are causing pain and those that are supposed to be inhibitory mm -hmm. neurotransmitters that are supposed to decrease pain they are not firing on cylinders. So mm -hmm. I explained that to the patient. 
the mm-hmm. other thing I explained to them is that we have a proof that the pain is real. And that proof was obtained by studying functional brain MRIs of humans with and without fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. And basically when they applied pressure to certain body parts and obtained a scan in people without and with fibromyalgia, they the areas of the brain lit up in the same areas. They were identical, except that in people who didn't have fibromyalgia, it took more pressure for those areas to light up. But basically the bottom line is the pain is real, but people with fibro have a lower threshold for sensing it as pain. Basically we might just touch them and they feel pain as opposed to applying more of a pressure that would elicit the same amount of response in people without fibromyalgia. So that's the second part that I explained to them. And then um, the last part is basically what is, Another ter- the other term that is used is the neuroplastic pain. And uh, this is really the most important part um, is that the brain changes in response to pain. The brain changes are actually seen on functional MRI and it responds to experience and it responds to modulation of the automatic of the autonomic nervous system. So there is one, there seems to be one overriding theory that um, causes the chronic uh, pain response, which is upregulation of the stress response, the sympathetic nervous system, and whatever can induce the parasympathetic nervous system activation does Mm -hmm. seem to help long term. And that is achieved both by medications, uh, you know, and we can talk about that if you wish in a moment, but Mm -hmm. there are several non-opioid, non-narcotic medications that affect central nervous system and that help with pain. But then there are these non-medicamentous approaches that are actually preferred by many physicians and providers because the medications only seem to help one third of the patients. So the other two thirds is like, well, you have to try something else. And that's what I focus on with my uh, patients and clients alike um, in my practice on the non-medications. But I do use medications because some patients want to go to medications first. And in some, it can be very beneficial. Um, but I was gonna let you answer any, uh, no. let you ask any uh, follow up questions if you have any. Before yeah, I continue. no problem. So I think the only other thing. So as far as medications, I would let obviously the patients come in and and talk about that. But I think what they probably would want a sense of is you know what to expect when they come to see you know a specialist like you regarding. I see. Body. I yeah, that's a good question. So mm-hmm. I usually take um, a good amount of time taking history. So. Um, ideally chronologically, but I, you know, whatever they want to tell me. So I basically ask them, when do you start having pain? And I ask them many features about the pain. What makes the pain better? What makes the pain worse? And as you know, not every disease, not, not every, none of the diseases reach textbooks, but generally speaking, if it's an inflammatory process, it's worse in the morning and gets better with movement. And, um, gets worse again when you're sitting down or joints stiffen up if it's an inflammatory process for fibromyalgia it's none of that it can be completely episodic like uh, many patients wake up in the morning and they report they feel like um train wrecks or that they they were like hit by a bus and so it's worse for them in the morning but then it can con- be present throughout the day so i try to ask them all these features about the pain and then i examine them if they have not had any blood testing I do uh, often order just the baseline. So by baseline, I consider blood counts, liver, kidney function, 
and if I deem uh, thyroid and inflammatory markers appropriate. Sometimes I don't get those if they had been done within the last uh, six to 12 months. And then I decide whether I need any imaging studies. Um, I put it, uh, and I start, to, if I do have a high level of confidence into the fact that they may have fibromyalgia, I start talking to them about what causes pain, about the neuroplasticity, how brain responds to experience and how it actually changes uh, in response to pain and how that can be rewired. And already that alleviates some of the patient's uh, concern because one part of the concept of chronic pain, like what what causes it, is that we now use the word biopsychosocial model. So it's not just biological factors, our genes and bad luck that contributes to uh, pain production, but also our psychological world or the mm -hmm. Uh, our psyche, so basically our beliefs, emotions, our hangups, or how we view the world, and also the social factors, our upbringing, what have we, what do we have been exposed to during our upbringing? And when I start putting, when they when they start asking questions, they start putting it all together. You literally can see how the light goes off, like, uh, and they start putting connections. And mm -hmm. many patients already know that they had past trauma and that make that seem to make things worse. But many patients, it's like they they realize for the first time in my office, I had one patient who is extremely stressed around, uh, she has a seasonal business and she gets very nervous and kind of anxious around the time when her business opens in the summer. And all of her symptoms, all of them, and she had multiple, she had pain, but also numbness, tingling and trouble digesting, uh, all of them get worse during summer and then they get better as the summer winds down and her business closes and it's a just wonderful presentation of how our inner world affects production of pain and it doesn't mean that the pain is in the head the pain is real it's just that the nervous system responds to what we what uh, to our internal world and the other thing i was going to say and i'm sorry i didn't it's not just pain that is that is a defining feature of fibromyalgia but many times people have multiple other symptoms, including but not limited to uh, fatigue. They feel extremely tired, almost no matter how long they sleep. They mm -hmm. often have, they report TMJ pain, irritable mm -hmm. bowel syndrome. They report many times numbness, tingling, kind of on and off in the upper body and lower body, and their neurological exam is completely normal. Um, other symptoms can include bladder pain or bowel pain. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, um, we call it, um, basically compound um, chronic pain uh, mm -hmm. complexes, but it's, it's all, it all falls under the umbrella of uh, fibromyalgia or neuroplastic pain, or another word that is, we use for it is central sensitization to pain. That's amazing. So guys, I mean, you guys have heard it. This is, we thought it was going to be good, but it's really, really good. So lots of gems. So, the other thing I usually switch gears now and um, ask a few things about you. So one of them is, um, why do you do what you do, dog? Why do I do rheumatology or why do I do fibro? I, fibromyalgia? What, what's, what makes you tick? Why do you do what you do? Uh, thank you for the question. <laughs> I, um, I, so I have always had, I, I noticed for many years, so I've been a rheumatologist for almost 16 years, and I have always noticed that patients, it's so long now, I, when I say it, it's a long time. <laughs> said it out loud, um, huh? <laughs> I have noticed that patients did, um, 
kind of they they had um inclination to see or they, they liked seeing me a female provider and i'm very compassionate but i have to admit i didn't always enjoy fibromyalgia because it has been frustrating to get them to feel better and i took it as upon my as my personal responsibility for patients to get better like i like you able to get patients with gout with rheumatoid arthritis thoracic arthritis better within weeks right and mm -hmm. sometimes within days and fibromyalgia not the same story and then finally in the last 18 months i started embracing the fact that well you you may not be able to help everyone and it started with that plus i have chronic pain myself mm -hmm. and i discovered the secret for myself i was able to find that missing piece that i was missing in terms of the very convincing when I talk to patients because I didn't know for sure that I could help them because mm -hmm. I didn't know how to help myself. And I found that mm -hmm. I found that through uh, participating in a pain reprocessing therapy courses where they teach about the threat signal, how the brain processes that and how to turn the parasympathetic nervous system on. And it was so beautiful and so fascinating. And I experienced decrease in my own pain. And that was the impetus for like, oh, my gosh, I can help more women. So I started seeking more patients with fibromyalgia and I will be starting my own practice here in the next uh, couple of months, three months. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So yeah. it's what, I mean, it's well needed. So I'm pretty sure we can't wait for you to start and open up. Thank you. So the other question is, um, this one is kind of, um, completely different. It's what would you tell your 20 year old self? from all the experiences that you've had, if you could speak to your 20 year old self? Uh, in terms of pain or in just general? Uh, in, general in general, whatever. Oh my gosh, this is, so <laughs> this is so surreal that you're asking that because you know why, Dr. Udi, I'm so shocked because I just thought about it yesterday. I was coaching something. That I it was, was meant so to be. <laughs> totally, and you didn't tell me, just to let your listener, you didn't tell me you were gonna ask that. But I was just, I was, I, I just got done coaching. I was being mm -hmm. coached and I was just mm -hmm. thinking about that, like how it would have helped me if I had known that information. And basically the advice I would have given to myself, to my 20 year old is like, trust in your innate ability to handle things. Like you may not know, and it, I'm getting emotional because I, I don't like when, when, a, when I have a difficult circumstance, when it just mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. I have never had the answer right away, but I have always persevered. But the amount of the amount of suffering and anxiety and drama I had in my head was so outside of or not not outside of proportion, but very I made myself be very emotional and dramatic about it. Instead, if I was able to keep my head cool and just like believing in my ability to handle things. So basically self-efficacy believe in your own self-efficacy because it actually does rule everything in your life this is what's helping me now with my pain it's helping me to explain things to my patients as it pertains to pain but it's in everything so that would be my advice to my 20 year old like martina like chill believe in your ability to handle things the solution will show itself you have always persevered and if you don't have the answer right away still just chill like calm stay calm and just work with the circumstance, work with the obstacle, you'll figure it out. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. That's why I actually asked that question, because there's somebody else out there that is probably thinking the same thing and needs to hear that, you know? So I, that's why I asked that. So you guys- Thank you, Dr. Udifer. Thank you for asking that. 
You're welcome. So you guys, you heard it. Thank you so much, um, Doc, for coming. Um, actually, where can people find you? I'm, if they have questions about fibromyalgia, I'm very happy to, uh, if they go, if they put in www.winningatfibromyalgia.com, it will take them to my website and they connect with me or schedule a free Zoom consultation. And I don't have enough information to share about my new practice because it's still happening. I'm employed. I work at, uh, in Cape Cod. If they want to see me here, if they're in Massachusetts, but sure. if they, if they have just questions about fibromyalgia, I can answer for them online that would be the place www.winningatfarmalgia.com that's amazing so you guys definitely check her out thank you so much for coming by and talking to us um, thank you Dr. And, for, for having me you're welcome and so and then for you guys anybody that is looking for a primary care doctor um we're accepting new patients at apple valley family medicine our number is 304-350-1087. And we, um, you can find us online at www.applevalleyfamilymed.com. Please like and share um, all the gems that um, Dr. Ziegenbein gave us. Someone, a lot of people can benefit. So please share with someone else. Um, and then you guys have a wonderful week. Thanks again, Dr. Ziegenbein. Thank you so much, Dr. Ude. Bye. Thank Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and include a review. Don't forget, you're worth it, and your health is our priority. Tune in for another episode next week, and have a great rest of your week.